Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning and, and just I want to let you know if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here and we want to welcome you to White's Ferry Road. Um, and uh, if you're watching online, thank you for tuning in and being here with us this morning. I'm really excited about this lesson and I'm excited about this series. Trent uh, actually approached me and, and asked if I would speak on uh, the topic of freedom. And I was like, oh man, absolutely. Because I don't think there's a topic that any minister would not like to talk about other than the topic of freedom from your sin. Uh, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? And uh, that's why you're here this morning and that's why I'm here as well. And so I'm really excited about this. Uh, but I've got a lot of information and not a lot of time to talk about it. And so I'm going to ask you to get your shovels and to get your Bibles because we're going to dig deep really quickly. And uh, I'm going to talk pretty fast, too, so I hope you can keep up with me. So get your Bibles, get your phones out, whatever you have, and open up to Romans chapter 4. And we're going to start there this morning. Romans chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want to just tell you a little bit about why this topic is so important to me. Uh, freedom from sin and freedom from uh, the power of sin is a thing that I'm very passionate about. And the reason that that is, is uh, actually this became, I, well, let me say this. There, I believe that there are so many of us who are here that have heard many sermons. We've all heard sermons on grace. We've all heard sermons on freedom. And we've all heard about the cross and we hear it all the time. And sometimes I think that there are people, let me rephrase that. I know that there are people who are sitting out here this morning who would say, yeah, I know that. I know Jesus died for my sins. And it's upstairs. The knowledge is there, but maybe it doesn't reach the heart. It's something that we know to be factual, something we know to be true, but something that maybe you can't believe truly yourself. And, and uh, the time that this first uh, really struck me was I was in Farmable at my dad's church in Farmable Church of Christ where he preaches. And uh, we were having a gospel meeting. How many of you ever went to and grew up going to some gospel meetings? Yeah. So a lot of you know what, what this was. It was Sunday through Tuesday, 6 o'clock. And we had Brother Harvey Starling. How many of you knew Harvey Starling? Yeah. I figured there were a few of you. And Harvey Starling was preaching in our church. And if you know him, his topic was on what? Grace. That's what he always preaches. This is his favorite. That's what he always talks about. And so he's talking to us about First John and how you can know that you're saved and how you can know that you are set free from your sins. And at the end of the meeting, it was during the invitation song and he had walked to the front of the church and was standing by the front door so that he could shake everyone's hand and, and, and greet them on the way out. And so I, I got up as well and I wanted to go back there and just shake his hand first and be able to tell him, you know, how, how much that meant to me. And so I'm talking to him and, I, and we're, we're talking and all of a sudden this woman comes up and looks up at, at Brother Harvey and grabs his hands. And so I just kind of stepped back and I wasn't eavesdropping. I just had nowhere else to go. She just came up, grabbed his hands and looked up at him. And it was this little older woman that I've known and has been going to church ever since I had been there. And she had been a Christian since she was a little girl. And she'd been in the church her whole life. And she looked up at Harvey with tears coming down her eyes, little gray-haired woman. And she said, Harvey, I just want you to know, this is the first time in my life I've ever felt 
that I'm actually saved. Can you believe that? Going to church your whole life and hearing stories and hearing the truth of God's grace preached, and yet it never reaches the heart, it stays in the mind. And so that's the goal this morning, is when you leave here, I hope that it can begin. If you're sitting out there and you're ashamed this morning and you're, you're in guilt because you look at yourself and say, I'm not where I want to be, that you can still walk out of those doors after this lesson knowing that I have the grace of God that covers the mistakes that I make. And so that's where we're going to begin. Romans chapter 4. Hang with me. We've got several things we're going to do. I'll, I'll let you know what I'm going to do. First, we're going to look in Romans 4. And we're going to see something very quickly that I'm going to ask you to hang on to. To lock it away in your mind. Because we'll come back to it at the end of the lesson. And then I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to start with what I'm not saying. So that you don't misunderstand me. And then I'm going to tell you what I am saying. So that's how the sermon's going to break down. So start in Romans chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 3. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. We've got a lot of text. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 3. And it says this. What does Scripture say? Abraham, what? Believed God, and it... What's the it there? His belief. Okay? So his belief was credited to him as righteousness. Keep going. Now, when a man works, his wages are not, what? Credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. You think Paul's trying to drive home a point? Anytime he repeats four times in four verses the same word, credit, 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 it's not because we're swallowing in debt and swimming in debt, right? Like he's, got a, he's trying to drive home a point here for us to make sure we get. Now skip to the end of the chapter. He keeps going. This is in verse, let's start in 21. He's talking about Abraham and he's telling you that Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, God credited it, his belief, to him as righteousness. Look at verse 21. Being fully persuaded, this is talking about Abraham, he was fully persuaded that God had power to do as he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to this. The words, it was credited to him, were not written for Abraham alone. Who were they written for? It says, but also for us. That's why I've repeated the word in this chapter. He repeats it ten times, the word credit. He wants you to get it. And he says, I'm not writing this ten times for Abraham's sake. I'm writing this for your sake. He said it was written for us. And he said, to whom God will credit what? He's talking about us now. He says, God's going to credit you righteousness. And then he pinpoints exactly who he's talking about. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to ask you to lock this away because we're going to come back to this. But the word credit in the Greek, the original language it's written in here, is a weighing kind of a term. 
It's where you take something and you put it on a scale and you go, okay, is it good or is it bad? You ever opened up your fridge and uh, you pull something out uh, with Avery gone five days a week in Shreveport? Um, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things. I open up the fridge and I pick it up and I have to do the smell test, right? You, oh, <laughs> right? Didn't pass the smell test. And what am I, I'm weighing it to say, okay, is this good enough to eat or not? And that's what this term is. It's going, okay, if I were to place this on a scale, would this be, and what's he weighing? Righteous or unrighteous? Is this, are you righteous or are you unrighteous? And so he, God, looked at Abraham and saw his faith and his love of God, saw his heart and said, I'm putting you on the scale, Abraham, and I'm crediting you as being righteous. And that was written for us because God puts us on the scale as well. And what did God say? Because for those who believe in me, For those who have faith in me, for you sitting out here this morning who are here because you love Jesus and have faith in him. If you have faith, God credits you as being righteous. Did he talk about actions? Did he say, for those of you who live good enough, I'll credit you righteousness. For those of you who don't have sin in your life, I'll credit you as right. No, it didn't say anything. He just said, for those who believe in me, like Abraham believed in me, I'll credit it to you as righteousness. Lock that away. Get out your key. Everybody get your key. Stick it in your ear right here and lock your brain. Keep that in. All right. Everybody do that. That's what I do with my youth group. All right. You guys are good. Well, then I tell them to swallow the key so that you can't unlock it. Don't ever get it out. Uh, Anyway. Um, Now, turn over to Romans chapter 6. This will all make sense. I promise you. You're going, where in the world is this guy going with this? I promise it'll make sense. Hang with me. Romans chapter 6. And we're going to start... In verse 1. And Paul starts by telling you what he's not saying. He's about to talk about grace. That's what the whole book of Romans is about. And so he starts with what grace is not. And I'll tell you what grace is not. Grace is not, you need to get this, it's not a substitution for holiness. It's not a substitution for you to just go out and say, well, I've got God's grace. I'm just going to live however I want. That's not what grace is. So, read verse 1 of Romans 6. It says, What then shall we say? Paul says, Shall we go on sinning because we've got a bunch of grace? He says, By no means! Exclamation point. So he starts off and he says, I'm not saying that you go out and sin because, hey, Jesus is just going to forgive me. No big deal. Sin is a big deal. And so as you listen to me this morning, I'm not looking at you and saying, so don't worry about the sin in your life. Don't try to fix yourself and get better and look more like Jesus because you got grace. You're good enough. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, Hey, my three volunteers over here. Could you guys come on up real quick? I want to illustrate this. And so I asked these guys uh, kindly if they would uh, come up here and illustrate this for me. This is Jacob, for those who don't know him. And uh, this is Brad and Josh, the two twins. You probably can't tell them apart, but that's okay. So, all right, here, J- here's what we're going to do. Hang on, stay there. I want you to stand right here. Now, everybody, Josh here represents God, okay? That's why I chose you. You're a pretty good-looking guy. You're pretty righteous. Uh, you're probably not as sin-free as God, but you're close. Okay, so, um, so for right now, you are perfect. You are God, okay? So who is Josh? Don't forget it. Now, Brad here. I probably shouldn't have gotten the twins. Y'all can't tell them apart. Uh, glasses here. Brad. Okay, don't forget. He represents Christianity. Who does he represent? 
Who does he represent? All right, go stand behind him. Jacob here. I'm sorry, Jacob, but you represent the world. All right. So that's what you represent. You represent the sinful, the, the ungodly world. But I want you to go stand behind Brad now. All right. Y'all line up in a perfect line. The reason they're in a line here is because when God created us in the beginning of time, he created us in his image. Right. He created us perfectly and we were all made in his image. But what happened when sin entered the world is we began to be flawed. Sin entered. Who is Jacob? The world and the world. Scoot up here. The world began to walk away from who? God. And so the world, through its sin and through its wickedness, begins to walk this way. And a separation has now been made from where God is and who He created us to be into who the world is now. And here's what I believe happened. Has sin affected the church? Has sin affected you? Absolutely. And so here's what happens. Not only does it affect the world, but it affects Christians too. And we are now, because of the sin in our life, though we wear the Christian title, we are still not who God wants us to be because sin distorts the image God made in us. But here sometimes is what happens in Christianity. Is we look to the world and we say, well, at least I'm better than they are. I'm, I'm closer to God than they are. They need to be more like, not like God, they need to be more like me. You see what I'm saying? And so as the world begins to, is our world getting better or worse? What would you say? Okay, let, we can all agree, right? So the world's continually walking this way. I believe that Christianity, if we're not careful, continues to follow the world with the excuse that says, at least I'm better than they are. There are so many things in our culture today that used to make us blush and used to embarrass us that even Christians today may laugh at. You see, I am not standing here this morning preaching grace to tell you that it's a substitute for your holiness. God commands us to be as holy as he is holy. And when he looks at us and sees how far away we are from him, he, with tears in his eyes, says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Get back over here. Come back. And he wants us here. And yet we're too busy not looking at God, but looking at the world and saying, I'm, I'm better than they are. You see what I'm saying? I hope you get it. I'm not this morning telling you holiness is no big deal and that your sin is no big deal. The goal for us is to look back to God and to say, I want to take a few steps this direction. Let me give you an example. I love Ed Sheeran. I love his music. How many of you know of Ed Sheeran? Okay, so several of you do. Some of you have heard his name. You don't know who he is. He's got some really good music, really talented guy. But here's the deal. A lot of his music is absolute garbage. But I'm okay to listen to that because at least I'm not as bad as they are. I could go watch this rated R movie because all the movies are just bad these days and you can't get away from it. So I'm okay with watching it when in the past I was so in tune with God that when the first movie, Gone with the Wind, comes out and it has one curse word in it, it throws us all in loop. But now, hey, the culture's changing, so we're just going to continue to change with the culture? When is enough enough? Where is the line drawn that says, okay, I can't do this anymore? And the line is drawn when we turn our heads back towards God and say, I'm just going to continue to be as close to him as I can be. What would Jesus do? You know those old bracelets? <laughs> Let's bring it back. Hey, give my, my help a round of applause here. They did great, guys. Y'all can go take a seat.
So Paul says, should we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. Grace is not a substitute for holiness. Don't hear me wrong this morning. But now let's get into what I am saying. Okay? We, we got to go quick. I'm running out of time. But I want to get to this. This is important. Start now. Well, let's start back at verse 1. Romans chapter 6. And it says, what then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means we have what? Died to sin. You're dead to sin. Beverly, you're dead to sin. What does that mean? Does that mean you're never going to sin again? Does that mean I'm never going to sin again? So what, have you ever thought about that? What does death to sin even mean? Here it is. It's not death to the action of sin. You're still going to commit sin, and so am I. And the writer of this book still committed sin. I truly believe it with my whole heart. He actually one time looked at you and would say, Hey, you think you're a sinner? I'm the chief of sinners. And so Paul still sinned as well, the guy writing the book. So, death to sin can't mean death to the action of sin. It means death to the penalty of sin. What is it? Death to the... One more time. Death to the... Death to the penalty of sin. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So every time, as we continue to read this Romans chapter 6 passage, that the word sin is mentioned, I'm going to ask you to help me substitute the word penalty of sin in front of the word sin. Because he's not talking about the action. He's not saying every time you go out and do something. No, he's saying you're dead not to the action, but to the penalty. In other words, when I sin, the penalty's gone. The consequence of that sin is not there, not because I'm good enough, but because Jesus Christ is good enough, and he took the, the, the sin and the penalty for me already. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what Paul's talking about. So, let's read. Verse 3. He says, by, by no means, verse 2, we died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, if we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that, here's what this death is. The body of, not just sin, but the, the penalty of sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to the penalty of sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from the penalty of sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that Christ was raised from the dead and he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. The death that he died, he died to the penalty of sin once for all of us. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That is grace. The beauty of this is, is God took your penalty for you. He didn't take your action for you. You still commit sin. He took your penalty. And that's what you're freed from. 
So, so it's not just my title isn't just freedom from sin. It's freedom from the penalty of sin. That is amazing grace. So what do you do with all this information I'm giving you? What am I asking you to do this morning? Well, here it is. It comes in the very next verse. Because it all comes down to this verse. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. If you're an underliner, or if you, even if you're not, this is a perfect verse to start on. Okay? Because this is, uh, this is a verse that means so much to me. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. It may not even be one you knew of. And it says this. In the same way. Other versions there say, therefore. And anytime you see a therefore, you have to look at what it's there for. Or you have to look at what came before. What did he just get done talking about? Grace and how you're saved from the penalty of sin. And how Jesus took your sin. So that when you struggle, oh, I'm an alcoholic, I can't get over this stuff. Oh, I've looked at pornography so many times and I, I, I'm getting better, but then I fall off the wagon again. Oh, I'm lying and I'm cheating and I, I can't stop doing this. I let my spouse down, I let my kids down. I've got sin in my life, Nathan. You don't know who I am or what I've done. I don't have to know who you are or what you've done because I know what Jesus Christ did and I know who He was. And He says, I've set you free from that penalty. Am I saying sin's no big deal? Don't work on it? No, grace isn't a substitute for holiness. But it does take away that penalty. Okay, so he says, because of all that, count yourself. That's the same word in the Greek used earlier that said, uh, what was it, credit? It's the same term. It's a weighing term. My version used count. Some of your versions will actually say credit. It's the same word he used earlier ten times in Romans 4, and now he's using it again. And who did the counting? I'm, un, uh, I'm asking to unlock it now. Remember back to the very beginning. Here it is. Who did the counting in chapter 4? Who did it? God did it. Did you see that? God counted Abraham and who? Us, righteous. God weighed us and said, you're righteous. Are you going to argue with God? And he says, you're righteous if you believe in me. Did he, did he talk about alcoholism? Did he talk about pornography there? Did he talk about addictions? Did he talk about drugs? Did he talk about cursing? Did he talk about anger? No. He talked about belief. And that's it. Am I saying don't work on those things? No, it's not a substitution for holiness. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. Belief is it. And he says, because of your belief, I've counted you and Abraham righteous. Because you're here this morning and you love me, that's all it takes. And you're righteous. So, because of that, this time, check out who does the counting now. Therefore, Romans 6.11, count who? Yourself. Dead to the penalty, you're getting it now, the penalty of sin. But alive to God in Jesus Christ. Death to the penalty of sin. And he looks at you and it says, I want you to count yourself that way. I already did it back in chapter 4. Now it's your turn. God's grace is not just bigger than your actions. It's bigger than your feelings. And when you look at yourself and you say, but Nathan, 
You don't know who I am or what I've done or where I've been or what I struggle with. And if you knew the real me, no, 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 no. He says, you count yourself dead to the penalty of sin. It has no bearing on you any longer because you're alive to God through Jesus Christ. Through your baptism, through your faith in him. That's what it takes. Why is he writing this to us? Look at the very next verse, by the way. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, therefore, I'm telling you this, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you'll obey its evil desires. If you've been struggling with battling sin, I'll tell you what, you're probably living in guilt and you're living in shame because you can't beat it. And you can't, anybody ever been there? It's like you're beating your head against, against a brick wall. I know I have. And it's like, man, I can't get past this. I can't get over this. And I keep trying, then I fall in and do exactly what I don't want to do. And I've got to get right so that I can finally become the Christian I need to be. So that I can finally reach out like God wants me to do. And he's, he's looking at you this morning like you're, you're foolish. Because he says, I died. I came down here and gave the most precious thing I had to set you free from that. So that you won't feel that anymore. So that the guilt and the shame could be done away with. And yet you're moping around thinking you're not good enough. And Jesus is saying, you aren't good enough. That's why I died. Well, you know, that's kind of frustrating to him when you're walking around and I'm walking around. I know I struggle with this, too, going, oh, but I'm not, but I'm not, but I did this. He died for that. Look, let me show you something. We're ending. I know it's time. But first John chapter five, starting in verse 11, first John is all about the book of grace. That's that book that Harvey Starling, remember, he likes to go through. <laughs> it's all about grace. In 1 John chapter 5, he says this, summing up his whole book on grace. Here's what he says. And this is the testimony. What's a testimony? If I ask you to give your testimony, what am I asking you to give? Your story. Tell me your story. He says, this is the story. This is the testimony. This is it. If you could take Christianity as a whole, if you could take grace as a whole, that's what he's been talking about, and summarize it all up, this is it. He says, and this is the testimony. So here we go. Ears perk up. What is the story? Tell me. Tell me, John. He says, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has what? Life. And he who doesn't have the Son does not have life. Is it really that simple? Yes. So simple that the most uneducated person can understand that. If you've got Jesus, you've got eternal life. And if you don't, you don't. It is that simple. It really is. You get Jesus in your life. And by the way, that's when change begins to come for your action of sin. And and here's my hope in this lesson is that when you understand you're dead to sin's penalty, you'll finally begin to actually battle the sin you struggle with and begin to defeat it. Because you'll be living and going, oh, but this, whatever it is I'm struggling with, has no grip on me. It makes no difference in my standing before God. God still looks at me as pure and holy, righteous and redeemed, even when I mess up. If you have the Son, you have life. And he says, why am I telling you this? Next verse, 1 John 5, verse 13. I write this to you so that you 
may know. Not hope, but know that you have eternal life. There is a way. That's my lesson to you this morning. If you haven't gotten anything else, you've got to get this. There is a way for you to know that you have eternal life. There is a way for you to know in the sin that you... I don't care what sin you're struggling with right now. There is a way for you to know today, this moment, right now, in, in this time, for you to know that you have eternal life. There is a way. And His name is Jesus. And if you've got Him, you've got eternal life. And how in the world do you get into Jesus? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says, For all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed ourselves with Christ Jesus. If you, if you look at me right now, do you see the skin that I'm wearing? No, you see my clothes. And that verse tells us the clothes you'll be wearing are clothes of Christ Jesus. So that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He sees Jesus. I know it's a lot. I know your brain is probably oozing out of your ears right now. I'm going to ask you to hold your nose and suck it back up. You know, get it back up in there, okay? Because I've given you so much information. Here's the verse you've got to get. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5. And this is where we'll end. Uh, chapter 5 and verse 1, I'm sorry. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus died so that you can enjoy your salvation. You're meant to enjoy this moment as a Christian. You're meant to enjoy your salvation, but you can't do that if you're looking at yourself saying, but I'm still not good enough. Well, no, that's why you became a Christian in the first place. It's for freedom that Christ sets you free. It's for you to go out and to say, look, I'm a sinner and I'm still working on myself, but here's what I do know. For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I am right and I am clean and I am holy and I'm pure regardless of what I struggle with today. And I know that if I were to die right now, and I'm telling you this as Nathan Keen, I truly believe that I'll be in heaven with my Lord. And that's not arrogance, that's confidence that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. And you can have that too right now, no matter what you struggle with tomorrow and last night. You can have that. Isn't that amazing, Grace? We're about to sing the song, Just As I Am, and that's the truth. God accepts you today just as you are. If you're here and you've never experienced that grace that I've been talking about all morning long and the freedom that comes from it, then you have an opportunity to come down and to get in on that right now. The water's ready. And if you have been a Christian but haven't been enjoying your salvation and you understand that woman that came up to Harvey and looked at him with tears in his eyes and said, I've never felt salvation until right now, then I hope you'll take care of that this morning too. I love you. Thank you for listening. If you have any, won't you come while together we stand and sing.